And so uh, the Eagles Palazzo flights with that in mind. Let me, let me just say this. What I said, when I said that, I never get confused. That's right. <laughs> with a simple, um, simple message today. What we've been doing is we've been going through the miracles of Jesus. We've been going through the miracles of Jesus as they are represented in John chapter. Um, John, there's a following, I mean, I'm sorry, there's a separate chapter of John. We've been looking at the second miracles of Jesus last week um, ending with Jesus actually walking on water. Um, today what we're doing is we're actually going into the next of his uh, miracles, which is actually um, healing the healing the man who was actually born blind. And what we want to do is we want to bring out a couple of uh, different concepts that will help you in understanding this, not just in understanding his ability and his desire to heal, to show his compassion um, to the world, and also to open up doors for the gospel, but also uh, to show us how we can actually walk into the miracles that we need in our lives today, okay? Anybody ever need a miracle in your life before? Okay, yes. So songs like we, we learn from the scripture what he's done before, um, we learn what he's willing to do again, and we are actually in a place where we're going to talk about that today. So let's pray. Father, thank you for <coughs> your word to us today. Thank you for your good news that continually reminds us that not only are you a miracle worker, but that God, you give us the ability to see those miracles in our life and times. Not only can we celebrate what you've done before, but God, we look forward to what you do in our times again and again and again. And God, we're asking you that today you would give us great faith by your word uh, for the miracles that you want to perform in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so today, if you have a Bible, open with me to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. We're talking about the healing of the man born blind. And our focus statement today is going to be this, that God performs miracles in order to display his works, which reveal his character Nature and purpose, purpose, purpose. <laughs> so what we see is that he does not perform them on the basis of the worthiness of the recipient, since ultimately there are none who are worthy. How many people would agree with that? And isn't that good news, that God doesn't perform miracles on the basis of your worthiness, my worthiness, or anyone's worthiness, but he does it out of his own goodness out of his own goodness and grace. And we see this as he explains things in this story with the man born blind. So let's read together in John chapter 9. It says, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not this man, <clears throat> it was not that this man sinned or his parents but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Okay, here we go. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud that he just made out of his spit. Anybody recognize that? Okay. And said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. 
So he went and washed and came back seeing. All right, so when we look at this um, particular scripture, obviously don't get hung up on the fact that Jesus healed somebody by putting some mud in their eyes and told them to go wash, but get caught up in the fact that Jesus healed the man, right? Get caught up in the um, fact that Jesus healed the man, but I would like to say in how he healed him that a lot of times God works in ways that are a lot different than we expect him to, amen to that? (laughs) How many people would have expected Jesus to spit on the ground, make some mud, and say, hey, this is going to heal you, go wash? Anybody at all? Right, no one. So the point is, is that Jesus works in ways that are different than we oftentimes expect. But again, we want to reiterate that the purpose of the miracles over and over again are found in John chapter 20 when he says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have faith in his name. And so in the previous chapter, what we see is that Jesus, leading up to this particular miracle, he was dealing with the Pharisees when they were ready to stone a woman caught in adultery. How many people remember that famous um, encounter, right? The people brought the woman who had been caught in adultery to Jesus and the religious leaders and said, listen, Jesus, you know what the law says. She's been caught red-handed, and now it's up to us to fulfill the law and stone her, right? And Jesus, cool breeze as he was, just got down on the ground, started drawing in the sand, and he said, hey, listen, I got, a, I got a word for you. Let he who's without sin cast the first stone. Cool? Just started writing on the ground. And then it says that literally the people started to leave. The people started to leave until no one was left, right? Because all, ultimately, except for the woman, because it said that ultimately everybody, when they recognized, even though they were willing to point fingers at this woman who got caught in sin, right, They all had sin in their own lives. And he said that the older ones left first, right? Because the older that you are, the more you see how much sin you have, right? The more you've lived long enough to realize my shortcomings are a line or a list about yay long. And it gets longer the longer that I live. Now, Jesus goes from this setting to this setting of the issue with the person born blind. And in the Jewish culture, they had sort of a dichotomy in their thinking. They were thinking if somebody sins, then they're going to have issues or problems in their lives, right? And if they do what's right, God's going to bless them, right? Sort of the dichotomy of thinking. And if we are honest with ourselves, that's sort of how we live today, right? If we look at somebody who has some issues, we're immediately asking the question, what fault is it in them, right? What have they done wrong? What are their issues? Now, in the previous uh, sessions or in the previous um, um, sermons, we talked about the fact that, yes, there can be times when our sin is the very thing that's causing problems in our life. And we need to deal with it so that we can repent, come to God for healing, and actually be restored by him as we continue to walk in his way. But there are other times when, as in this man's case, they were looking for an issue, but they said, who is it, this man or his parents who sinned? And Jesus said, neither. Jesus said, neither. But it was so that the glory of God might be revealed in his life. It might be an opportunity for God to actually show his strength, show his power, and actually show his goodness to the world. And what we can learn from this um, particular narrative is that the miracles of God reveal the mission of God, and salvation in Jesus is available to anyone who would believe. Salvation in Jesus is available to anyone 
who would believe. But to actually see that, we've got to get into the mindset of Jesus, right? Where everybody else was looking for how they could point fingers at this individual. And that's easy to do in the world in which we live today, right? You want to look at the problems in the world and you want to immediately play the blame game and look at who's at fault. But Jesus had a different perspective. He's like, I'm not coming to blame people. I'm coming to use the problems that they are actually experiencing in their lives as an opportunity for a miracle. And that's literally a different perspective. Because what Jesus said is like, listen, regardless of how they got here, what I want to do from this point going forward remains the same. Isn't that the truth? So it's sort of like you can always, in your heart of hearts, judge whether or not you feel like somebody's worthy of God's intervention in their lives. Anybody ever done that before? Has anyone ever done that with yourself before? Said, well, I've made too many mistakes and therefore God is not going to come on my behalf and work in my life. I've, I've put myself here. I've made my bed. Now I've got to lay in it. Or you look at the people around you and you say, listen, that's their own fault. Let them deal with it. And Jesus has a different perspective. Jesus, yes, deals with sin, but he also comes to rescue people from the results of their sin and also use the opportunities of issues to actually show his compassion, show his kindness, and then bring them into the salvation that he came to live perfectly for, die sacrificially for, and be raised from the dead to bring people into. So we see this here in this particular instance. So when Jesus sees someone, he sees their need for healing and salvation. And what we need to do is see people in the same way. When in the previous chapter, the story highlights how people view people through their, lens of <clears throat> through their lens of sin, this whole story shows how Jesus views through a different lens, the lens of salvation and healing. And the question for you today is, what type of lens do you have? When you look at your coworkers, when you look at your friends, when you look at your neighbors, and when you look at the people who surround you, do you immediately discount them because of where they found themselves, knowing that they've gotten there probably through, through some fault of their own? Or are you thinking to yourself, this is an opportunity for God to show his glory? This is an opportunity for God to show his glory. Has anybody been tired of the news? Anybody? Gets tired, you get tired of watching the news because what? It's sensationalized all the time, right? There's always something different. You know, I mean, trying to catch our attention, trying to instill some sort of anxiety or fear in people because it sells, right? And it also gets ratings. But it also engenders a certain perspective in your heart towards society as a whole, does it not? Has anybody ever, in a subconscious way, been shaped in your thinking towards not only individuals but groups of people because of what you've seen on the news? If you're honest with yourself, you would say all of us. All of us, right? And Jesus is literally having to deal with this type of mentality. He's saying, what type of perspective, what type of judgments have arisen in your hearts that are shaping the way that you relate with the world around you? Is it congruent or incongruent with my heart towards the world? Because my character, my heart, and my mission remain the same. It's not for you to judge why they ended up in the position that they're in. It's for you to understand what I want to do in the midst of their present state. Do you see that? And that's the whole world around us. So in this instance, he's saying, listen, in this particular instance, it's neither this man nor his parents who sin, but it's so that the glory of God might be revealed. And how many people know in the darkest 
parts of our city, in the darkest parts of our community, in the darkest parts of our nation, in the darkest parts of our world. God wants to actually show his glory. And even in the midst of the darkness, he wants to show his compassion. He wants to show his kindness. And the darkness is an opportunity for God's glory to be revealed. If his church would actually look at it in such a manner. If his church would actually look at it in such a manner. And so a great need, physically or spiritually, can present an opportunity for a great miracle. And a great miracle points ultimately to a great God. His greatness is revealed first in how he sees people and then in the miracles of healing and in the greatest miracle of all, which is salvation. So why do we need to understand this? Well, perhaps we see, (coughs) perhaps we're blind to the reality of who God is and his mission. His desire is to heal and save no matter what conditions people are currently in. And if we focus on people's sin instead of their need for healing and salvation, it can be an obstacle to our seeing the healing and saving power of Jesus. This can be true in how we see not only others, but also ourselves. Like the disciples and the Pharisees in the story, we often focus on our own and, our, and on other sins, failures, and the sins patterns even passed down from parents. And we miss the healing and saving power of Jesus. But the miracle of sight in this text and later in the man's salvation is centered around the question, not the, around the question of the man's sin, but Jesus, Jesus able to perform a miracle despite it. And God and his mission is consistent no matter what a person's history is or isn't. You got to know that. God's mission is consistent no matter what a person's history is or is not. That's for you. That's for me. That's for the world around us. And I think part of what makes us so bitter as people is that we we live with so much judgment in our heart. Anybody just feel like wrapped up and bound up, just angry at people all the time because you have, literally, you don't want it, but it's just judgment. You're just pointing fingers all the time, right? You look at people and you immediately see not their potential, but their shortcomings. Come on now. You see their failings. And what it ends up doing is not only causing enmity with you and them, but it actually causes an, like, a, like a, a state of, Uh, an imprisonment in your own soul. It's like, I I don't even want to relate with people. Anybody have a favorite podcast that you listen to right now? Besides Second City Church, I know. (laughs) Okay, but it's like, one of the podcasts I like listening to is um, actually some ex-athletes. It's called The Pivot. Anybody ever heard of The Pivot? Okay, no, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Okay, the, but the point is, is that they are, these are ex-athletes trying to help retired athletes make a pivot in their lives, right? So it's like, like one of our, one of our uh, ministers, one of our mentors actually said, there's nothing more irrelevant in the world than an ex-athlete, right? Because, no, hold on now. Because there's so much identity that's wrapped up in there. And if you can only find your identity in that sport that you're playing, eventually by 35, you're done, right? But it's the same in whatever um, industry or sport you find, or not sport, but um, industry or, you know, uh, pursuit you find yourself in. And so anyway, the point is, is that in this particular setting, the pivot, they're trying to help these guys get to a new mentality and place in life where it says life is more than just the sport that you've played. 
life is more than just a sport you played. And for you, it could be something like maybe you're, you know, maybe you had a career and you are retired now and you're more than the work that you did, right? You are more than the money that you made. You are more than the accolades that were given to you during your working time. But what we see is that in the midst of that, the people who needed the saving in that, um, these particular instances, they were crying out, even though they made millions, even though they like, had great um, um, uh, I guess acclaim while they were playing, they were desperately in need. They were desperately in need as individuals. And so often the, the media and so often the public at large was criticizing them for the mistakes that they made. And one of the guys, they're opening up this forum because they're athletes talking to one another. He said, listen, I just wanted some help. Everything that I was doing, I was crying out for help. And everybody was quick to judge me out of entertainment, for entertainment's sake, right? And isn't that the nature of society? We almost revel when somebody who we think is doing better than us eventually falls. Isn't that the truth in society as a whole? It's sort of like, finally, they're getting what they deserve. I know they got there through unscrupulous means, and so finally, you know what I mean, they're getting what they deserve. And he was like, listen, all I wanted to do, this one in, um, um, interview that I was watching, he said, all I wanted to do was play basketball. And yet, I, I didn't have a dad in my home. I grew up with a mom who was working three jobs. I was figuring out life the best I knew it. And you know what? When I got to the league, I was texting people all of, over and over again, telling, show, showing, um, asking them questions, saying, how do I, I'm, I'm making all this money now. How do I use it? How do I not, not become another statistic and blow it? How do I actually have, you know what I mean, good relationship, you know what I mean? Not just with my baby mama, you know what I mean, but with somebody I want to start a life with. No, come on now. And he said that people would just go silent, radio silence on him, radio silence on him. And he said, I don't know anyone in my life except my children who hasn't stolen from me. And I'm asking for help again and again and again, and nobody will give me any of the help that I need, but everybody revels in judging me. And when I'm in the news for trying to cope with my issues, Everybody's quick to point a finger, but nobody's willing to raise a finger to help me. And is that not what we do in our world today? We're quick to point the finger at leaders. We're quick to point the finger at neighbors. We're quick to point the finger at coworkers. But Jesus said, who will lift a finger to help them? In this issue, in this particular instance, they were quick to try to find the reason why he was in the condition that he was in. And Jesus said, it's not what you think. Life and the reason people are in the situations that they're in right now is most times more complex, more complicated than just a dichotomy answer, right? It's more than just, I did this or didn't do that. There's a whole history, family history that people have. There's whole community histories that people have. There are reasons why people do what they do. They are, yes, not only proponents of sin, but they're victims of sin, and they are actually those who are just living out what they've, been, what they've only seen. And Jesus is like, stop judging people around you, whether in your workplace, whether in your neighborhood, whether, how about this, in your family? And allow God to work out his mission and his salvation, keeping that fixed perspective. 
neither him or his parents, that's the NVMe, but uh, for the glory of God. This is an opportunity. And our practical, practical application can be to invite people for prayer to be healed and saved. Always. We can also ask to pray and ask the Holy Spirit who is working in and in them and where he can, we can join him by sharing Jesus and praying for the healing. Why do we need to do this? Because miracles are one way to introduce people to Jesus. Some people are not going to get out of the position that they're in unless they get a miracle. Everybody realize that? So like, I can't, I can't, I want to, but I can't get out of this spot unless I get a miracle. And so we should, as the church, be people who are praying regularly for miracles. Regularly for miracles so that people can get out of the junk that they find themselves in. There was no help for this man. There was no Lasix in this blind man's situation, right? He's like, unless Jesus breaks through miraculously on, my, on behalf of my sight, I'm going to remain a blind man for the rest of my days. I was born this way, and I will die this way unless Jesus intervenes. And can you think about situations or scenarios in people's lives around you where unless Jesus himself miraculously intervenes, they're going to remain in the same spot that they were born in and will probably die in? We have an amazing privilege of participating in God's work being on display even through dire circumstances. And we can help others believe in Jesus and give them his words and we can pray for healing. What starts as pain and suffering can end in glory if God is given a chance to work in and through us. So if you've only had a personal prayer life, this is an exhortation to step out. Step out for prayers, yes, that begin with you. Because if you need a miracle, get it from God. And that good news? If you need a miracle, start by getting it from God. Asking the God of heaven and earth to provide a mir the miracle that is going to set you free. But then once you do, start praying for others that they might actually receive a miracle that will give glory to God as well and see them broken out of the situation that potentially has defined them since birth. If Jesus doesn't disqualify others, neither should we disqualify ourselves or others. The opportunities to participate in the works of God present themselves for a limited time. That's why Jesus said, while I'm in this world, you need to work, right? Jesus was physically in the flesh with them for only a period of time. And literally, everybody has a moment in time. A moment in time, lifespan, right? The scripture does say that as long as man is living, there is hope, which is good news, right? So you don't determine the time that people actually have to respond to God, but you do need to understand that the moments that you have with them are limited. So let's work while it's day, right? Work in believing God, not only for yourself, but on other people's behalf. And Jesus said that this is an opportunity to work salvation. Now, let me, let me um, skip down to this. This is, you get the point in terms of Jesus and his salvation, but let me, let me skip down to this, uh, this issue with the man born blind. Jesus healed him, and then ultimately they wanted to kick him out of the synagogue because they weren't happy with the source, right? If we could put up John chapter 9, starting at verse 35, I want to I read this um, portion, and this is where I want to end in terms of sort of impressing upon you something that 
you need to get from get from this. We're going to talk a little about it a little bit more next week, but you need to get it from this, okay? John chapter 9, verse 35, it says that Jesus heard that this blind man, <laughs> this blind man who had been healed by Jesus got cast out, got cast out of the synagogue because they weren't happy with how he got his healing from Jesus, right? And this is a good uh, reference to the power of your testimony. Has anybody ever... Anybody ever tried to debate somebody before convincing them that Jesus is the Christ and found that you sort of hit a roadblock? Let me tell you something. If you just would testify to people, start testifying to people what Jesus has done in your life, that is some irrefutable proof. Right? That is some irrefutable proof. Because whenever I was dialoguing with my friends, bringing out all the apologetics I had in my pocket, you know what I mean? They were like, listen, Roland, I got an argument for this. I got an argument for that. You know what I mean? If you want to reason me to God, I'll reason you right out, right? I was like, all right, listen, what you cannot deny is that I was blind and now I can see. What you cannot deny is you know, you knew how I was living. You knew what I tried to live. You knew I even tried to live differently and how I ended up in the same spot over and over again and how my life is just completely different now. That's a miracle, guys. And they're like, I, you know what? You're right. I can't deny that. Because when I used to call you, you know I mean, you'd be, they'd be like, Roland, you know what time it is. And I was like, yeah, I do. Let's go. And it was party time, right? But when I got saved, they'd say, Roland, come on. You know what time it is. I was like, that's right. It's Bible time. <laughs> you know, it's like you need to come on with me and like work this out, right? And that was a miracle to them because they saw the change of God in my life. Share your testimony. But what we see is that when they responded to him in this way, verse 35, it says, Jesus heard that they cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and worshiped him. Okay? So the miracle led to belief, led to worship his salvation. You see that? The miracle led to his salvation. Verse 39, it said, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? And again, the Pharisees were the religious leaders. And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. Now that you say you can see, your guilt remains. What is Jesus trying to point out here? Well, first of all, let me, let me, let me tell you this, that over and over again, you know, we were just again in Madison this past Friday talking to people, reaching out to people again, talking to, and over and over again, I cannot tell you how open people are to the gospel, even if they're hearing it for the first time, even if they're hearing it for the first time. But one of the things that we always have to work through is people saying, well, I don't know that what you're calling sin is a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's, a, it's sort of like it's just the way people live and it's how people do things around me. Well, I, you, you know, the hookup culture, I don't, I don't know that that's such a big deal. That's just how things are, especially on the campus, right? I don't know that my drunkenness is actually a big deal. That's what everybody does to have fun. 
You know, I don't know that, you know, I mean, all these different things that you're calling sin, that the Bible calls sin, are actually a big deal. Now, here's the thing. People know the results or the problems of sin or what results from sin, but they're not willing to characterize it as a problem until God himself defines it for them. And I'm always saying to people, listen, you are blind until you realize that the one who created it all knows how it best functions and if you want to see well for how life should be lived, you need to go to the designer so that he can tell you, the light of the world can tell you how it best works. And as long as you are saying to yourself, I see fine, I just see fine, I'm good, I'm just doing things like everyone else does it, then you're going to remain in your blindness. This is what Jesus is saying. If you're saying you can see, then you are going to remain in the blindness, the darkness that ultimately is leading to your trouble and later to your death. But he says, if you would admit that you are blind and you actually need help, I would help you to see, is what Jesus is saying. I would not just bring judgment on you, but I would actually open your eyes, not just physically, but spiritually, to help you to see. And I don't know how many people are talking to me about the good books, the bestsellers that they're reading on their Kindle apps, right? They don't even read, use physical books anymore, right? It's all just data discrete. Anyway, the point is, is that the bestsellers, the best help, right? The good, the good help books, right? And the thing is, is that I'm like, did it help you at all? They're like, no, I'm in the same position. I'm like, because you're trying to circumnavigate, right, go around Jesus who actually has the solution. And as long as you're going to other sources to try to see, you're going to remain blind. But if you come to him and say, God, I am blind, I'm humble enough to admit I don't have the answers. But you, God the creator, do. He said, I will open your eyes and help you to see. I will open your eyes and help you to see. People need to align themselves with the word of God. Now, let me go a little bit further, okay? I'm just not just talking about people who've not yet come into faith. I'm talking about the church, too. I'm talking about the church, too. How often, how often have we lived under the deception in our world because we're in the information age? that I don't need to ask for help from anybody because all the help I need is just a click away. I don't need to ask anybody for help when I have emotional issues. I don't need to ask anybody for help when I have mental issues. I don't need to ask anybody for help in my marriage. I don't need to ask anybody for help in my parenting. I don't need to ask anybody for help you know what I mean? In terms of how to order my life around God, because I should know better. I should know better. I should know better as a man, right? Come on now, men. It's this false thing, right? Where if you're a real man, you don't ask for help. You don't ask anybody for anything because you should be able to do for yourself, all the while breaking inside. All the while living under the crushing weight of not only expectation, but your own failures over and over again, not knowing how to get out. And what you do is you present to the world, I'm strong. You're in the workplace saying, I've got it. 
I know what I need to do. I'm okay. I'm good. And you ask nobody for help. I can see just fine. But your life says something different. People who deal with the crushing weight of loneliness and despair. People who say, I don't know how to be a godly husband. I don't know how to be a godly wife. I don't know how to be a father. I don't know how to be a mother. Let me tell you something. When I came to faith, I thank God that I had mentors who I could go to and say, I don't know how to do this. I am blind. I need you to help me to see. And any time that I was humble enough to ask for help, my eyes got opened, and I was able to progress. Whenever, whenever, I tell you, not just sometimes, but whenever I tried to play the game and say, oh, I should know better, I've got this, I would end up in the cycle of stumbling over and over again. Anybody with me? What Jesus is saying is if you admit that you are blind, he will help you to see. You can get the help you need. Why? You go to the people who have a testimony. You see that connection? He literally said, this man, what's irrefutable is you can see the product of his life. He encountered Jesus. He was blind. Now he sees. He came to faith. Now if you follow his way, you can actually come out seeing too. Though you're spiritually blind, ask for help. And you can get the help you need. But Pharisees, religious leaders, if you continue to think that you can see trying to put on a front because you're too prideful to ask for help, you're going to remain blind. Here's the point of it all. It's an opportunity. Problems are an opportunity to get help. But it's also an opportunity for God to break through miraculously in every area of your life. Do you hear me? There's not an area of your life he doesn't want to touch. If you would open yourself up and ask for help. My question is, when's the last time somebody's actually asked for help? People have been satisfied. Living in the blindness. Feeling like they're living under the judgment of their own actions, decisions, and history. And Jesus says it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. I repeat to you again, this is a safe space where you have men and women who love God and want nothing more than to encourage you in the things of God that not lead to judgment but lead to life. But you've got to be able to open yourself up to say, you know what? The fruit of my life says that I've been blind in some areas. How many people can think of some areas that you've been blind in? Just by the fruit of your life. I can. I still ask people for help today. Saying I'm stuck here, what do I do? And when I do, he meets me. But as long as I'm prideful, and I say, I'm good, I can see, then I end up in the same spot. The appeal today is don't cut off the miracles of God because you won't ask for help. 
You hear that? Do not cut off the miracles of God because you will not come to Jesus or ask others to help you get to him for help. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that in this particular setting that you've given us the ability to not only see what you've done for others, but remind ourselves of what you want to do for us. God, we thank you that the miracle was not just salvation. <clears throat> not, I'm sorry, not just the uh, blind man seeing physically, but it was also the salvation that you brought him to completely. As in experiencing the miracle, he was able to encounter you in a real way. And God, I pray for all my brothers and sisters in here today that regardless of where they've been, that God, you would by your spirit, let this be a freeing place. A place of freedom where we can actually share life with one another and open up. Have the humility to say, you know what, I see in some areas, but in this area I've been blind and I keep tripping. You said the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They don't even know what makes them stumble. But the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. And God, we pray that you would bring us as a people into the full light of day. Not just tripping again and again and again, suffering in silence. But God, show us how to relate with you and one another by your word and your spirit. God, I pray, please help pride be broken in this place. God, help insecurity even be broken in this place. Break the back of insecurity. God, help us to realize that if you're for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us, God? Help us not be so concerned about what another man or woman would think about us that we fail to come to you fullness and be able to follow your ways that lead to freedom and life. God, we're asking you that you would help bring us into the liberty of the Spirit. In Jesus' name.